The NBA is back. Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rival. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Curry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Let's get it out of here. Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins tonight on TNT. Curling fans, you've come to the one place with everything you need involving USA Curling and more. It's the Extra Extra In podcast with the 12th In Sports Network and hosts Price Atkinson and Joe Calabrese. Get ready for everything you need to know. News, interviews, points of view, and club spotlights. Anything involving USA Curling can be found here. It's the Extra Extra In podcast with the 12th In Sports Network. Now, here are Price and Joe. All right, another edition of the Extra Extra In podcast with the 12th In Sports Network. And we are here, Jerry Gertz, Price Atkinson, myself, and we are here in Thunder Bay, Ontario. We're going to do this again for the, what, the second time in three weeks, Jerry, where we do this old school style. We pass the microphone back and forth as we're here at the Grand Slam, the Tour Challenge, the biggest slam of the season of all seven events. And we got a pretty heavy U.S. flavor here, Jerry. We got a whole lot to get into as we're barreling down the end of round robin play. We're going to talk about that here in a second. We'll get into some things. Things that are coming up uh, that happened last weekend with mixed doubles in Madison. What's ahead next weekend? But really, what's in front of us coming up right here is really that's where USA Curling is centered right now. Is right here in Thunder Bay, Ontario, and we're going to talk about it. But a couple guests we got. I caught up with Matt Hamilton and Chris Plies from Team Schuster a little bit earlier. A huge win uh, in the final shot, defeating Nicholas Adin in the first time those guys had been on the ice with the Swedes since Pyeongchang and winning the gold medal. So we'll talk about that rematch and you know what it's like with the Team Schuster 2.0 this season. And also, the segment you can't refuse, our man Joe Calabrese. He caught up with Buffalo Curling Club's president, Danielle Bookbinder. So we'll bring you the segment you can't refuse. And if you want to be a part of that, just let us know. Drop us a line at TESN. But but over to my colleague, Jerry Gertz, who is working furiously as we do late nights, as it is starting to turn the page into Friday morning here in Thunder Bay. But... What a few days it's been already here, Jerry, but especially kind of the presence that the U.S. teams have with eight here. There's a Tier 1 and a Tier 2. We have three U.S. teams, two junior, and then Corey Dropkin, Team Fenner, over in the Tier 2. But then you've got the three women's high-performance teams on the women's side, and then Schuster and Ruinen on the men's side in the Tier 1. It's a busy week here. Yeah, it's pretty amazing to see the number of U.S. teams we have here. Uh, in the Grand Slam, and how good they are. You know, in, in the uh, top-tier event, 15 men, 15 women, we've got uh, two USA men's teams, Richie Ruinen, uh, last year's uh, national champion, and, and, of course, the Olympic gold medalist, uh, John Schuster. Schuster's uh, 3-0 and so far, and uh, Ruinen is 2-1. and 5-1 and between the two teams. They're both guaranteed... Uh, something in the playoff race schuster's in and uh Ruinen is should be no worse than tiebreakers so you know a really good uh 
good setup there and a great start to the week. And, and they're playing well, too, and, and uh, you know, playing with confidence. It's fun to see. On the women's side, there's uh, three teams with, uh, of course, Nina Roth and Jamie Sinclair, who have kind of become regulars, and, and Corey Christensen, who uh, snuck in, which, uh, you know, another very good young team out of the USA that, uh, you know, that has some big-time potential in the game, and it's good seeing them a chance. And, and they got their first win tonight in an exciting uh, battle against Chelsea Carey. Yeah. So, you know, first win, uh, first time ever in the big show. I believe they played the uh, Tier 2 uh, once before. So they have a little bit of experience, but this, you know, this is the big time right now, right? Yeah. You know, the, the the show. So, you know, they got some attention. That The last end of that win was also broadcast across Sportsnet, too. So Canadian fans got to, you know, learn a little bit about, uh, you know, another American team. So, yeah. uh, you know, and then... Uh, uh, Fenner's team playing in the tier two, uh, sitting at two and one right now, and uh, you know they really have a good chance of uh, reaching the playoffs here. And you know if they could get hot, they've made it to a few finals. I know uh, uh, Corey's pretty fired up that he's going to win one of these. <laughs> <laughs> well, they made three finals. Well, yeah, they made three finals, including what the last one in Sarnia. They just haven't been able to get over the hump. And you got to learn to win at some point. But it's okay. I mean, that's a great sign. They're making these finals. They're getting to the end. They're going to win some of these. It's going to happen. But they're racking up some, you know, some points on tour. Uh, you know, they're they're gaining confidence, especially with the, I want to say a new lineup, but it's not new because they have played together. Fenner, Fenson, Tom Howell, and Corey Dropkin, they know each other pretty well. Um, but I want to go back real quick because it, you want to touch on them? Yeah, definitely. I got something to add about this Fenner team. They've, uh, you know, for a team that nobody really knows much about, even the players on this team are, you know, you had Corey and Tom play last year with, uh, with Heater, but you know Heater didn't travel to a ton of the big spiels. He played more the 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 B circuit and and you know stayed sharp that way and and did really well there. So you know these guys are not household names. And then you know you go with uh, with uh, Mark in the house for the first time and uh, Alex uh, at lead. And you know this is a good team. And you know they've climbed their way up to twenty third ranked in the world. You know is you know this is uh, you know there's been a, a a team that hung around that position on the ranking for a long time. And, you know, I think they were passed on this year in the high performance program selection, you know, maybe even halfway through last year for this younger team. And they've already shown, you know, that they've jumped the rankings real quick. And, you know, I think this, this growth is maybe ahead of what we'd expect to see, but you know what, that bodes really well for the rest of the year and their performance here. Yeah, I agree. And also, um, you know, Stopera and, and, and Duberstein, or Duberstein, I'm going to get it right. I'm going to get somebody well, to tell me. Right. Well, I know it's Duber. I've got that right because I asked. But the Stein or Steen, that's the last part of the name that I've got to get right. And with all apologies, I'm sorry. I'm going to. I pride myself when doing radio and podcasting to get names right, especially when I'm writing it, but also when I'm saying it. But, you know, yeah, you're right. And Fenner and those guys have Lyburn tomorrow, both 2-1, and one, and the winner of that is going to them, guarantee themselves a spot in the playoffs because you win two, 
you guarantee yourself pretty much of a minimum of a tiebreak. You win three, you're in you're in the playoffs. But you know, I want to go back to Corey tonight because you know Christensen, as you mentioned, it was they were they, they go to an extra inning against Chelsea Carey. All the other games on the sheet finished, and I I was standing at the top of the stands. I was right behind their sheet, but then I moved for the for the eight or for the extra in, and I stood up there, and it was really interesting, and and I tried to pull myself away from the game for a minute because as Corey went to throw her first stone, I took a shot, and she's the lone player on the ice. The crowd, it's totally silent. Some of them had filed out because of the, the four other games were done. It was quiet. The TV is, Sportsnet's on, and she's in the hack. They have to get a steal to win, and they're playing Chelsea Carey, who Nina and, and Jamie had not had very much success with, and that's an ancillary point to this point that I'm trying to make, but to get in the hack and do what they did and to generate that steal, I thought was a big moment. Win or lose, because I was saying to myself, man, this is great experience for them. But it's really great when you can pull one of those out. But just to do it, and we've talked about this, talked about it a lot of times to people today. With all due respect to our, our friends um, in the U.S., when we go to nationals and we have, you know, you hear crickets in there. To do it in front of a sold-out crowd, which it was sold out inside the the tournament center tonight. It wasn't packed when they were finishing, but it was still a big crowd in there. That's some fantastic experience for a young team, especially in the young Skip and Corey Christensen. Yeah, you talk about that last end, that shot she made, and 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 all that. But you know, you go back to the tenth end, or sorry, the eighth end. We play eight ends in the Grand Slams. The, I, that last shot that Corey threw to to tie the game showed a lot of poise. Yeah. She's she's in the hack. She's got twenty seconds left yeah. before her clock runs out, and if that was to happen, game would be over. She'd lose. So, yeah. so it was. Uh, you know, I think when when Chelsea's last rock came to rest, there was a, there was definitely a question in the booth about man that hit is there for two. But the problem was is they really didn't have time to to talk about it. So they had made their mind up pretty much for sure what they were going to do. They put the broom down, they went, and they just executed. And, you know, for somebody like Corey, that is a significant learning experience and and poise under pressure because that clock ticking down is such a different scenario than most players face most of the time. So to get experience in a moment like that and then calm and coolly drop that draw right on the on yeah. the forefoot there for the, for the point. So, you know, that... That showed a lot of uh, chutzpah out of uh, out of uh, Christensen. There, it was uh, that was pretty spectacular. All right, let's take a look at the. Uh, the let, let's just stay on the women's side real quick here, as we're in uh, Thunder Bay for the Tour Challenge, the biggest slam of the season. As you've got fifteen teams in the Tier One side and fifteen on the Tier Two, but I want to stay on the women's side right now because Jamie Sinclair. Christensen and Sinclair are going to play in a game tomorrow morning now that may not at first look like there wasn't much on the line, but now Christensen, they get a win. They're at least in some tie-break situation with two wins to finish 2-2. Two and two. Obviously, Jamie is 0-3 and has had a pretty tough week. She struggled with some draw weight. She struggled with draw weight today as they had a, several times a shot for two and it was just heavy uh, at the end, but Sinclair is going to be out of it, but if Corey can get a win over her, you teammates that's going to at least put Corey in the conversation 
for a tie break. But how about Nina Roth? Nina starts two and zero, Jerry, and after starting two and zero, they battled Jen Jones to the wire tonight, six to five, and it could have gone the other way. And that was, a, it wasn't as messy of a game as it was in Truro at the Masters. There were still some missed shots here and there. But it was a cleaner game, but still, it was one that Nina and them were right there at the end. They could have very well won that to go to three and zero, but they're two and one now. They have one more tomorrow. Yeah, they played a really good game against Jones tonight too. Um, you know, those they had two wins, two and zero coming in. Two games where they really started off well, controlled the tempo, and you know, I really like what I see out of Nina's team right now and the way they're attacking the game and and uh, controlling the the narrative to a degree. Yep. And uh, you know, against Jones tonight, they you know they you know they did it as best as they could in that situation too. You know, they got themselves in some positions where they put pressure on on Jones and made her have to make some shots and a couple little tiny mistakes by Nina and and you know one one shot where they just rubbed a guard or they're lying three and maybe stealing instead of that end they gave up three. Um, so you know, lots of great stuff to look out of there. You know, for Nina and uh, she's got one game left uh, tomorrow yet and. You know, a win and they clinch a playoff spot. And, you know, even if they should lose, there should be another game or even straight in after that. Only two women's teams undefeated at this point with one more day to go. Rachel Homan and Tracy Flurry, both 3-0. and But let's go to the men's side, Jerry, because you've got uh, several teams that are undefeated. Brad Jacobs, Schuster, and Gushu, all 3-0. and And then DeCruz, they'll have two games tomorrow, but they're 2-0. and But probably the story of this thing on the men's side – Correct me if I'm wrong, but here's my opinion. Uh, Brad Jacobs really rallying after a disastrous Masters uh, two weeks ago where they – I don't think they won a game there at the Masters. If they won a game, it was only one. But really the story, Schuster 3-0, and Adin 0-3, and, and then the rematch today, if you will, the first time those guys are back on the ice and it comes down to a final shot, Nicholas missed – and really gave John an opening, and John took advantage of it as those guys got the win by one, four to three over a Dean. That knocked Nicholas firmly out. They're out. They have no shot at the playoffs. But John and Hamilton was telling me, he said, I was like, have you guys ever finished a slam 4 0 in round robin play? He said, I don't think we've ever been 3 0, but here they are. Yeah, you know, they're playing with a lot of confidence out there. You know, you can see the swagger out on the ice, and it's. You know, I think sometimes in the past, John had been, you know, had that, but it wasn't the confident swagger. It was more of a, you know, putting up a a front to a degree. But, you know, this guy has really matured into into a hell of a player. He's always had the game. You know, I've said this going back to 2010 and those years uh, leading up to Vancouver, that Schuster always had a game to play with the best in the world. You know, he, he was great at calling uh you know the the draws and the touch shots and and being aggressive and and playing to win and and it just took some time for him to learn you know just the timing of when to go and and everything and and the confidence to uh to make those shots too yeah it's pretty amazing to see you know you got uh, of course gushu's playing well um Last year's uh, champion, uh, or sorry, last two weeks ago's champion at the Canadian Beef Masters, John Epping, uh, uh, struggling a little bit here. Of course, uh, Rich Ruinen's team took advantage of that earlier with a great uh, 
win where they really controlled the tempo of that game as well. Yeah, how about that win for Richie? Because they started with Gushu and they lost in in a game that they they didn't play badly against Gushu. They weren't they weren't bad. Um, yeah, I was watching that game a bit, and and it, I think it really came down to that that two. I think it was in the third end where uh, they were looking good, and and then I on uh, on Greg's first stone or or Richie's last stone can't be sure, but. Basically, somebody missed something pretty open, and uh, either rubbed a guard and, and something like that, and and it and it took uh, it gave Gushu a deuce. They were looking at definitely getting a force and a potential steal in that end. So, you know, if that end turns a little bit differently and they force a single, you know, they played Gushu really well at the Worlds last year. Yep. Yeah, they sure did. They beat him in obviously in round robin, and then. To, took him to basically the final stone in the in the uh, the playoffs. So, you know, Richie and those guys got Patterson in the morning. That's a big game because Patterson's got two games tomorrow. They're one and one. Richie's two and one. You, you, as we talked about, you win three games, you're in the playoffs. So if Richie can go in there and take care of business. And honestly, I've been really impressed because those guys have not played very well, Jerry, coming in. But they have really t- – I think Richie rises to the occasion. I think a lot of those guys, especially Richie in a lot of ways Greg too, but especially Ruinen, when the lights are bright and the stage is big, they, they seem to elevate, at least in the – the last couple months since that team really became one when Brady Clark left and then they pull in ruining for national or actually started back for the U S open. Um, they had some tough results early, but they've, they've really turned the page. So I've really been impressed, but we got a lot more to do and we'll get into a lot more what's going on here. Uh, we'll get into some, maybe some of the off ice, some other things going on around here in Thunder Bay, but we do have, I've got Matt Hamilton and Chris Plies coming up in the next segment and right after Hammy and Plies, don't forget the segment you can't refuse with the Godfather himself, Joe Calabrese talking with Buffalo Curling Club's president, Daniel Bookbinder and Jerry and I will then be back to wrap it up right after that here on the 12th in Sports Network's The Extraction Podcast. We'll be right back. All right, back here in Thunder Bay, Ontario, and standing by with Matt Hamilton and Chris Plies, members of Team Schuster. And I've been calling it Team Schuster 2.0, guys, because it's kind of the turning of the page, so to speak, after last year, and you get bring Chris into the mix. But, you know, just what has been this new page been like? Because you guys missed the, the Elite 10, and then you come back to the Masters, and then obviously playing really well here, 3-0. and What's it been like kind of turning that page from last year to this year, Matt? You know, um, it's always a different kind of game when you got a new player on the team, but uh, everyone's pretty familiar with Chris. I had uh, a couple years playing with him. He's been a good friend for a long time, and Schuster played with him for a couple years. So he really jumped in and like, kind of gelled into this team, and we're already doing pretty well at slams and stuff. So uh, looking forward to what the future holds with uh, our new third guy here. What's it been like for you, Chris? Because I know this is something we talked last year. We've talked off the ice, but really the first time on the podcast. I mean, this is something that you really, really wanted and the chance, obviously, to play with Hammy again and then to play with John. Yeah, it's been it's been really fun. It's uh, it's fun to be on the road. Uh, I mean, not, not not that I didn't enjoy my old team. Like we had a lot of good. Excuse me, had a lot of good times together and stuff, but. Um, just like when you're gonna turn the page, it's it's been yeah we've been having a lot of fun. It's fun to be like hanging out with your best friend like off the ice, and it's fun to be playing with your best friend on the ice. So 
feel pretty lucky to to be on a team that's like that. When you bring a new player into the mix like this, when you bring Chris in, whether it's one, two, dynamics are always going to change a little bit, but there's always going to be an, a new energy, especially right out of the gate. What kind of energy has it had been to have, you know, your best friend on the team, but somebody like Chris who's world class? Well, it's it's nice for me personally having a like a positive force on the ice. Not that Tyler wasn't positive, but Chris knows me a little bit better and just knows what to say and uh it's, it's worked out really well so far, and, uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of time left before now in the next uh, Olympics, so we're going to just keep working on all sorts of team chemistry and make sure we're ready to go then. I've, Chris, I've asked John about it, and, and I you see it watching you guys play, but I think one of the interesting things being in the arena and, and observing, watching you guys play is really the interesting communication that you and John have at the back of the sheet because, I mean, you guys have curled together for a while, played against each other, but I see a lot of teaching going on, a lot of, a lot of learning on both ends from both you and from him. Yeah, I think, like, John and I just, like, I mean, I, I can speak for myself. Like, I have a lot of respect for John, so... Um, but, you know, I think that sometimes, I mean, it's been interesting because this team is a lot different than the fact that, like, Hamilton is very, like, has a very active role in, like, strategy and stuff. So I feel like I don't, it's, for me, it's been learning to that I don't always have to be the one that's giving a ton of input. But it's also nice to have three people that, you know, are willing to, like, have a discussion and talk about things. And I feel like, you know, most of the time you come to the right decision when... Matt, what's you know you've been a whirlwind of an off season. You've been playing in golf tournaments, celebrity movies. I mean, God, lay what haven't you done? What has life been like? Kind of settling down. Has it settled down for Matthew Hamilton? Well, the appearance thing that that I did for the summer months is kind of settling down. But I'm just kind of gearing up into curling season and stuff again. So, um, it never, I never really got any good off season time, but. Uh, Adding some new blood to the team with Chris and getting able to being able to play with him and be, go on the road with him is kind of uh, rejuvenating. So I, I I didn't quite need the off season as much as uh, you know you normally do. Where you get that time with family and friends and get to get, relax a little bit. You did get to relax a little bit, right? I mean, you did, didn't you get to go to Italy or Europe or you, you got to get away for like just a little while. Well, yeah, but it took until the curling season and my my good buddies on the curling team to let me go for the weekend. And while they went out and grind, went out in Cornwall for the Shorty Jenkins Classic. So, obviously, I got to thank my team for letting me go off to Italy and (laughs) fool around while they were grinding in uh, Canada's finest uh, city. All right, guys, uh, here 3 0. Let's get to the here and now. You guys, a rematch for you, Matt, against uh, Dean and those guys. Chris, you knew there was probably a little bit of energy down there on the ice with with the dean and, and these guys getting to play for the first time. You know what was that like? You know, obviously since the Olympics, a gold medal game. Could you could you feel it out there on the before the game and during the game? Uh, I mean, I thought like like a dean for me. Like I hadn't beat a dean in a while, so uh, I was pretty pretty stoked for the game. But like. I mean, those guys are always just like fun to fun to play and fun to beat. They have a lot of yeah, they're great guys, and they have a lot of, like very winning pedigree and have a lot of you know titles behind their team. So um, you know, anytime you get to play somebody like that, you kind of get up for them. I think Hamie tried to diffuse maybe a little bit of the uncomfortableness by switching with the ice pads with uh, with Oscar, but that was cool because you guys are all good friends. I mean, your buddies they've come they went they came to your wedding. I mean, you guys are you guys are friends away from the ice. 
Oh, absolutely. And uh, like me and Chris have known Oscar since he was 16 playing in the final against us in the Junior Worlds. And uh, uh, we actually traded pads last event, last slam. And when uh, we showed up for the game, we both happened to have the pads on. So it was a pretty funny uh, coincidence. And it was, uh, it was a good game and obviously a good battle. And we were happy to uh, come out with a W. But they're no team to take lately. All right, one game to go in round robin. Chance to do something you mentioned to me that you guys had not done before is go 4-0 and in a slam, but it's that old nemesis to Cruz, and that's the team that has given you guys some problems before in the past. Just talk about the game coming up tomorrow. Uh, I don't know. I, those guys are great, and they're really good curlers, so they always play us tough, and you know we like to think we play them tough too. They had a really good run against us in Edmonton, and we had a, have had a pretty good run since at the Olympics and uh, the Continental Cup. So, you know, we definitely trade blows and go back and forth. It's just kind of going to depend on which uh, team Schuster shows up and which uh, team DeCruz shows up. But for sure, there's going to be a lot of made shots. Well, Chris, you guys, uh, regardless whether win or lose, you're in the playoffs. I hope you brought enough Red Bull to finish out the weekend. Yeah, we always got enough. We always got enough. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Uh, thanks, Bryce. Thank you. I'm going to make him an offer again with you. Welcome once again to the segment You Can't Refuse with the Godfather, Joe Calabrese. It's a segment where we highlight curling clubs from all across the United States. This week, I have a special guest from a city close to my home and close to my heart. I'm joined by the president of the Buffalo New York Curling Club, Danielle Bookbinder. Danielle, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me. Danielle, the Buffalo Curling Club is now a four-sheet dedicated club, but that happened just this year. Tell me a little bit about the origins of the club. So the Buffalo Curling Club itself actually has origins probably back to the 1800s, but the club as it stands today, uh, it was about 2014 that we had an opportunity to start outdoor curling. So that's where we started. It was actually at an outdoor facility called Riverworks. We were a five-sheet club at that time, um, but we were subject to snow and rain and all those wonderful things. And uh, luckily, it was November, uh, not last year, but the year before that we came upon this building, and uh, the rest is kind of history now. Yeah, and, and your club sort of, you know, is near the Canadian border. It's, it's you know, just across the bridge to Niagara Falls, obviously. Was the majority of your club's members, when it first started out in this incarnation, uh, former Canadian curlers or, or, or uh, U.S. curlers that were going across the border each each week to play? So what we really started with, our core group of eight people were all curlers who curled at the Niagara Falls Curling Club, but were all from the U.S. So U.S. curlers who happened to be crossing the border. And for me, I was serving on the board at one time on the Niagara Falls Curling Club. So I was the one who kind of said, hey, I kind of know how these things work. Let's let's get this started. And so crossing the border uh, back and forth, that's got to be a, a tough thing to do, um, you know, I've had to cross the border for some Canadian events myself, and sometimes uh, that border crossing can can cause quite a delay. Uh, so was that part of the reason why you just decided to start a club in Buffalo? Yeah, there's uh, there's twofold. One, there's no doubt when we used to curl on Sunday nights between Christmas and New Year's, especially when the exchange was more favorable to the Canadians, the border was insane going into Canada. There were times where it was two, three-hour waits, and some of us would actually park near the falls and walk across the rainbow bridge brooms in hand and then have our Canadian friends pick us up and then drop us back off after our games. Um, so that was part of it. Uh, the other part was back, I don't remember the exact year, it was 2008, 2009 when border restrictions changed. 
And what I saw at the Niagara Falls Curling Club was a decrease in renters from the U.S. because people weren't willing to go get a passport or a Nexus card just to go play once or twice. And to me, that kind of opened up a door that said, hey, now there's all these people in Western New York. Where are they going to go curl? Yeah. And in Rochester, you know, while we're sort of, you know, this, the next city over, we're, we're a good 60 to 70 miles away. So it's it wasn't very likely. So starting a club in Buffalo made a lot of sense um, for a while. Uh, your club curled in an open air facility. Tell me what some of the challenges were that you faced during that time. Yeah. So at the open air facility, uh, we actually started without a roof during our first two learn to curls and our first bond spiel. It was just open air surrounded by bales of hay. And our challenge there was sun beating on the ice and it actually raised the ropes that we used for the houses and melted all the ice near them and rose them up. (laughs) So we had to kind of cut that session short. Didn't really think about, oh, dark blue string (laughs) and the sun beating on it. Um, And then after we got a roof, though that part was better, Still, if it was a windy day, snow would get onto the ice. There were times we had to shovel in between ends. And then if it was raining, the humidity was horrible and the frost would be so bad. Sometimes uh, me and have curled a long time. I couldn't even get it halfway down the ice uh, because the frost was so bad. You know, your facility, when it was open air, it was sort of in that Riverworks area, which is sort of was an economically, I don't know, advantaged part of the city at that point in time. I mean, things were happening down there. Uh, what made you make the decision to kind of move to the, the new facility, which is uh, the old Buffalo China factory? So the last season that we played outdoors, the challenge was a warmer winter than usual. So even temperatures in the 40s, the winds would pick up and it would kind of make the surface have puddles on it. And that and the Zamboni lines were kind of rough. Um, so after having a season like that, where we had to cancel 13 of our nights of curling because the weather was too warm, we started to explore indoor facilities. Actually, we never thought this would happen so fast, but the uh, Buffalo China factory happened to be owned by someone who had an association with our club and they invited us out to tour it. And once we saw it and we took the measurements, we couldn't have asked for a better space. Like literally the distance between our poles was 30 feet and three inches, which is perfect for two 15 foot sheets and two two by eights on the side. So we couldn't have asked for a better fit. Well, that sounds terrific. So how long had that facility kind of gone vacant? So for, it's my understanding that it was about three years that nothing had happened here. And when we toured it for the first time, there was a 200 foot kiln in our space. And if you walked around the facility, there were still conveyor belts with you know, pottery waiting to go into the kiln. There was stuff that just came out of the kiln. There were still things on the kiln. Um, it was truly just, they shut the power off, shut the gas off and walked away one day. <laughs> so you wound up the first time you went through the, uh, the doors of the new facility before anything had changed. What were you thinking? Um, are, are we really doing this? What are we getting ourselves into? Um, I still ask myself that even though it's nicer now. <laughs> well, you, your folks are very, uh, active on Facebook. So I, I kind of know the answer to this, but you know, your club has really uh, relied on membership to make this conversion Thinking about what it took, did you ever think that you would get where you are? So not quickly. I mean, we were very blessed that when we did a member search, trying to gauge the interest of going to an indoor space, it was about 97% of our membership said that they either preferred to go indoors or they didn't care either way. So it was kind of obvious that everybody wanted this. Um, And then from a financial commitment side, 
So we were hoping to get a loan and we did, but in the event that we actually had members who were willing to back us and give the club the loan that we needed to move. All right. We're, we're talking with Danielle Bookbinder. She's the president of the Buffalo Curling Club. Uh, Danielle, you know, how are you attracting members at this point? Uh, this is, you know, we talked about your, your position close to the Canadian border. There's probably a, quite a few people in the Buffalo area that have some idea what curling's all about, but how are you attracting people to get to your new facility? So social media has been huge, and actually the open house that we had last season was even bigger. We obviously didn't plan for the men to win gold, so that helped. Our open house was planned for that Saturday right after the men won, and we were just hoping that people watching the Olympics would want to come out and try it. But then after the men won, the next thing you know, we have every single news channel plus a bunch of radio stations. We're all here, and... That really fed our Learn to Curls and our introduction to curling clinics that we offered the next few weekends. Uh, almost all of them were full with 32 people in each session, which was fantastic. And those numbers kind of fed our beginner leagues that we had later last season and now feeding our leagues this season. So we've expanded from what used to be three nights a week back when we curled outdoors to last season was four nights a week. And now we're up to five and actually talking about adding um, more on Sundays. Well, that sounds terrific, you know, and you got all that influx of new curlers, but you also are reaching out to college and high school students. Tell me a little bit about those programs. Yeah, so we're just getting started doing that. We actually had a coach from a local high school reach out to us from Lancaster High School, and he was kind of keen on curling and asked if he could bring out some high school kids. They pulled their school and found that there were about 55 kids that said, oh, curling sounds neat. And then once we picked the date, that dropped to about 22. And then once the financial commitment happened, we're between 13 and 16 students. But they're meeting every other week, coming out, getting lessons from us. And uh, I don't know, we might have some future Olympians starting off at this club. Well, that'd be terrific. Um, (laughs) I got one more question for you, Danielle, before we go. And it's fair to say that the Buffalo Curling Club has has made it. Um, But where do you see yourself in the future? So right now, you know, we're in a building where we had a lease that we can have up to 10 years. It's five years with a five-year option. And if we keep on this pace, our hope is to actually expand to six sheets during that time. Hopefully in the next, you know, two years or so, um, we have just enough room to add two more sheets. And our ultimate goal is to someday have a dedicated ice facility that we actually own. Um, but for now, this is, uh, we can't really ask for a better space for where we are now. It sounds like you're in a really, really good spot. Um, Daniel, I, I said one more question, but I actually have one more <laughs> and it's how can people find it uh, out on the, out on the web? How can people find the Buffalo Curling Club? Yeah. So buffalocurlingclub.org, that's our website. That'll take you to our main page, which is a little bit fancier. And then if people want to sign up for any events, they can click on um, one of the links from there and go to register for things. Uh, we're also on Facebook, the Buffalo Curling Club, on Twitter, Buffalo Curling, and Instagram, Buffalo Curling. Well, thanks, Danielle. I really do appreciate you uh, and your appearance here on the podcast. Uh, check out the Buffalo Curling Club online, and uh, if you need more information, you can certainly find them on Facebook and reach out to Danielle if you're interested in, in learning to curl out that way. Uh, and if you would like to be part of the segment you can't refuse, you can email me at joe at tesn.us, and we'll definitely be talking to you next time. And don't forget to listen or you'll be sleeping with the fishes.
All right, welcome back into the Extra Action Podcast. Bryce Atkinson, Jerry Gertz, we're back with you here. Late night edition, after hours edition, Mr. Gertz. But appreciate uh, Plies and Hammy for a few minutes here earlier today. Caught up with them over at the uh, the arena. And then uh, certainly uh, the segment you can't refuse with Buffalo Curling Club's president, Daniel Bookbinder. Uh, really appreciate the godfather himself. For bringing that one, and if you want to hear, if you want to be a part of the segment you can't refuse, come on and just let us know. Drop us a line at the 12th and Sports Network. We will feature your club, what's going on around your club, what's new, what's happening. We would love to bring you on to the podcast. But Jerry and I are going to wrap this thing up here. I want to give a quick shout-out, Jerry, to Monica Walker and Alex Leichter as they won the the Madtown Double Down Mixed Doubles Spiel last weekend in Madison. Most all the U.S. players that are playing mixed doubles is the mixed doubles circuit really is growing. But they get a win over a really solid field last weekend and bring home a nice big check. And I mean big in terms of size. <laughs> yeah, it was a great event. Um, Croy Nurnberger was uh, one of the key people behind it that uh, you know approached me and uh, with uh, putting this on the tour and and uh, you know they they raised a significant prize purse for mixed doubles and uh, you know gave away I think it was a sixty five hundred dollar first prize check U S you know Canadian dollars that's about eight thousand. You know, and that's only paying two players. So, you know, you're talking about an, um, an equivalent major size purse. So, you know, it's uh, great to see. And uh, they beat uh, Catlin Schneider, uh, Shannon Burchard in the uh, final. Um, Chelsea Carey and John Morris played together, and they lost out in the semifinals to uh, Burchard uh, Schneider. And then. Uh, Monica actually beat uh, her teammate and skip uh, Jamie Sinclair in the semifinal. So uh, that uh, that was an interesting final four there too. Uh, Sean Baton curling with uh, Sinclair. All right, congratulations to them. Coming up this weekend, let's take a look ahead. We got the Red Deer Curling Classic in Alberta, Jerry. Looking at U.S. flavor, there's not much. A lot of the U.S. teams not playing and the events coming up around the weekend. And that, not a whole lot. It kind of slows a little bit with the Thanksgiving holiday coming up. And then certainly on Black Black Friday, you have uh, the mixed doubles event there in Duluth. But our good friend Steve Berkland out of Seattle, I hope I don't know if he'll get his junk signed there, but maybe he will. But he'll be there in Alberta. And Anne-Marie Duberstein is going to be uh, playing there. But uh I, I like seeing our guy Steve Berklet on tour. He's playing some events and he's playing pretty well. Yeah, you know what? It's good to see you know players take this shot and go play some events and be serious. You know, they they came out to St. Paul and and they made a good run in St. Paul and uh, you know I've, we've seen their name pop up in some different events. The Red Deer Classic is a, a, a good strong event on the tour, and you know it'll be a, a, a good solid field. I really like that. Uh, a uh, group of teams that they put together there uh, playing for the title. All right, uh, Jerry, final thoughts here as we're here in uh, Thunder Bay wrapping up. We're at the, uh, the Tour Challenge. We've got the Tier 1 event. we got the Tier 2 event. I guess I'll let everybody in just kind of how it works. We're over at the tournament centers. Literally, we're staying at the Best Western right next door. 
and you walk across the parking lot, which is a beautiful thing. We hadn't had to get in the car basically since we got here on Tuesday, or in your case, Monday from the airport. But it's right across the parking lot. We've had a little bit of snow flurries. It's cold. But inside, it's pretty damn warm with third, what, uh, oh, God, you got 30 total teams. You got 15, or actually, you got more than that because you got 15 on the men's tier one, 15 on the, so ultimately, you got 60 total teams that are here. I mean, it's insane. It really, in my first experience at, at the Tour Challenge, I was talking to Rory, our good friend uh, on the stats crew, Rory McCusker. He, 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 I thought he had the perfect line. Is It doesn't feel in a lot of ways like a Grand Slam. It feels a lot like a bond spiel just because there's so many teams coming through the facility with two sites. You have the Tier 1 on one side, and then literally you have the bar. You have the basically the warm room, the the press box, the stats crew. You have it, everything is right there in the middle upstairs. And then on the other side, you got the Tier 2. It really has more of a feel like a bond spiel here. Yeah, I agree. It's a little bit more old school, you know. the uh, The space we're set up for for the stats crew is actually uh, in the bar that is between the two ice rinks, and it's probably about thirty, forty feet wide. And uh, you can, you know, you can walk across the bar very quickly to see both games. And but one of the things that happens about you know it's it is a little bit more old school because a lot of the teams playing in the tier two are still your you know your guys who. Uh, play the game a little bit more for fun and uh, you know the beers are flowing a bit in the evenings and you know after the games you know you're seeing teams actually sitting down and having a a pint or two uh you know there's some great beers here from uh sleeping giant uh, brewing company you know i gotta throw a little uh shout out to them here in thunder bay definitely uh grab some of their beers when you can they do a good job with them and sponsor here at the grand slam too so yeah, it's uh, I love this format. It's my favorite event of the year to see so many new faces and different players coming up, and, and the opportunity to uh, win their way into a, into a, a slam in January. Yep. Uh, I want to give a shout out to a special book that we uh, that you purchased, uh, and you purchased two copies. So I, I I am indebted to you for several for many many reasons indebted to you, but. Uh, Want to get a plug in with that, especially for Doug Flowers at Gold Line, those guys over there who do who do a great job and work really hard with the merchandise and uh, promoting the Grand Slam and all their apparel. But uh, some sightings. I mean, we've had an Al Hackner sighting uh, around the premises. We've had uh, several others of the old old guard, kind of so to speak. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you want this microphone back? Yeah. Speaking of Al Hackner, we. Uh... Uh, we were uh, doing some work with uh, with Jesse Walker, and he was trying to create some sounds of curling stuff that he uses for he could use for videos and stuff like that. And and they were looking for some corn brooms, and well, I knew Al Hackner was around, so I asked him, and uh, he had uh, a corn broom and a rink rat, a rink rat, but nobody knew how to swing it on the ice. So he came down, and he was showing us how to swing corn on the ice, and and it was really neat to see, you know, one of the legends of the game, uh, you know, kind of how it was, too. Yeah. Yeah, you got uh, Rick Lang. You've got, uh, oh, God, you've got the, the uh, Holman's old coach. You've got, I mean, they're seeing a lot of good faces, and I'm sure probably as we turn toward the weekend, you know, see some others start showing up. But we've got uh, – I mean, the U.S. contingent is so strong here, especially with eight teams. I mean, Carly Anderson here, you know, from uh, 
you know the high performance staff. Certainly, Derek Brown, uh, Phil Drobnik, uh, the all the individual coaches. Mike, I can't remember Mike, and I, forgive me, Mike, the trainer from uh, from USA Curling, who is really uh, who's, who I know the players are really enjoying. Who's taking Brian William McWilliams' spot? Uh, really enjoying having Mike on staff, but. Uh, you know, awesome event going on over there. It's just been really a lot of fun, and you know, I know we're going to go to Newfoundland, and I I am chomping at the bit to experience Newfoundland and St. John's coming up next month. But you know, this the cattle call here at the Tour Challenge, giving other teams, new teams, a chance to experiences that are hungry. And a great story by our good friend. Uh, I think it was Devin Haru, maybe, or no, it was either Devin Haru or John Brazo, you know, who was writing about the opportunity that the Tier 2 presents to give you a springboard into the Tier 1. And now that as I talk about it, I think it was Brazo uh, with Sportsnet who wrote about it, and really our good friend Jason Gunlinson, who used that opportunity to springboard into the Tier 1, and that's what, they was, that's what that Tier 2 is there for. Yeah, it's the opportunity to uh, win your way in. You know, and, and I think that's the biggest thing people want is just an opportunity. And this offers that to teams that maybe can't commit to playing as much as the top teams do. But if they're good enough, they, they'll have an opportunity to play, win. And, uh, you know, if they're good enough, they can springboard their way into the slams. And, you know, playing a you know, dedicated slam schedule, should you reach that is, and be successful, is enough to stay there. So... You know, you you win, you're going to end up uh, sticking around, and it's pretty cool to see. You know, a team like uh, Casey Scheidegger falls in that boat. I know Kerry Anderson qualified out of the tier two twice. Uh, personally, this team's a different team, but it it really set up those teams for success too. And uh, you know, it's it it opens the door for opportunity. Now it's up to the teams to go out and seize it. All right, that's going to do it for us here in uh, in Thunder Bay. We'll come to you next week where we'll come to is Joe and I will be back as we start kind of getting ready for Thanksgiving. It's, I can't believe that you know we just got going and we're almost here on the Thanksgiving break, but appreciate everybody tuning in to the Extra Extra and Podcast as Jerry and I are going to put a bow on the After Hours edition here from, uh, from Thunder Bay and the Tour Challenge. We'll have a lot more next week on what went down, how everything finished up with the playoffs but don't forget the round robin finishes up tomorrow or today i should say which is friday you can subscribe online go to uh the grand slam of curling.com you can subscribe and watch what's going on through the weekend and the playoffs is again we've got a heavy u.s flavor we'll see what happens in terms of how far everybody can go but right now everything is looking pretty good with one more day of the round robin to go but for jerry gertz and bryce atkinson can't wait to see you again next week. Joe Calabrese, the Godfather, will be back with the segment you can't refuse and much more here on the Extraction Podcast. We'll see you next week. Thanks for being with us on this edition of the Extra Extra In Podcast with Price Atkinson and Joe Calabrese. Follow the 12th In Sports Network crew on Twitter and Facebook to stay up on our weekly contests, giveaways, guests, and for upcoming episodes of the Extra Extra In Podcast. The NBA is back. Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rival. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Let's get it out of here.
Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins tonight on TNT. Between prepping ingredients, setting the table, and planning your tomorrow, sometimes you need an extra hand with dinner. Delta Faucet is here to help. Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot with Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology and fill it with the perfect amount of water. Done. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to see how voice IQ can fill your dog's bowl, wash your hands, and more.